We talk a lot about being intentional here on the Moms on Call podcast, especially when it comes to your child, whether that be a newborn or your curious toddlers or multiple children. My name is Jennifer Walker. Along with my partner, friend, and fellow pediatric nurse, Laura Hunter, we've spent over 20 years helping navigate the highs and lows of parenthood with our books, consultants, and now with the Moms on Call podcast. We're so glad to have you. And as we answer questions like how to adjust your children's sleep schedule when they attend daycare or how to deal with being a parent who's lost their partner, we hope that you find something inspiring and helpful. We use the first five minutes of every Moms on Call episode to bring some helpful tips and advice to take with you into your day. Today, we encourage you to be your child's role model and show them that it's okay to make decisions that not everyone will agree with. Thank you to our amazing sponsors, Nosebot and SlumberPod, and to you for joining us for another episode of the Moms on Call podcast. Oftentimes, we find ourselves having to justify every single parenting decision that we try to make for our families. With the entire digital universe. It is a trap. Today, we want to keep you out of a parenting trap. Make an unpopular choice on behalf of your kids. Doing so is good. It helps build your confidence in who you are as a parent. So be unpopular. Be kind, but be unpopular. And your kid will have a role model for life when they see that you are standing up for the decisions that you need to make for your household. Because Jennifer, decisions that I make for my household may not be the right decisions for your household or anybody else in my list of friends that I post stuff about. (laughs) Well, we would just like to encourage you to make an unpopular decision and don't explain it to anybody. All that energy that you would spend explaining that to strangers, just refocus that onto doing the good things you know as right for you and your family. And we're behind you 100%. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Oh, this is my favorite. This is my favorite. Do you remember? I remember where I was sitting. I was in the parking lot of church about to get out. I was the director of early childhood education there. I was about to get out. I was doing consults. I was a pediatric nurse taking call at night. And we had just started Moms on Call probably three or four years earlier and did infant consults. And you and I were talking about remember three months ago. How do you even remember what was going on in that time? Because all I know was we were spinning and trying to keep people alive and taking phone calls and trying to keep the business going and figuring out how to help families and our husbands needed stuff. And 
How do you even remember any specific <laughs> moment sit in a parking a huge, lot? It had such a huge moment. It was <laughs> it had a huge impact. All right, well tell yeah. us. Tell us. Yeah, don't ask me what I had for breakfast. That I can't tell you. <laughs> I can tell you my nutritionist tells me coffee is not a breakfast food. That I can remember. Then I don't want to talk to your nutritionist today because <laughs> coffee has been my breakfast today. Oh, it's not a breakfast food. But I do remember because it had such a huge impact and we were talking about our clients growing up and they didn't want to let go of the mom's on call, the relationship we had built. We had email follow-ups and we'd followed these families up and, you know, when they'd go through kind of the normal bumps in the road and we're trying to set foundations for discipline in their homes, we were a voice that they trusted. So they were reaching out to us. And I remember you saying to me, I was like, you know, I really have ideas about that. You know, around toddlers so much is my favorite age group. And you said to me, you're like, you are supposed to serve parents of toddlers. Mm. You're supposed to do it. It's just what you're supposed to do. And that brought that toddler book out <laughs> and just gave me permission to say, yeah, let's simplify that process of setting the foundations of discipline and being able to express our hearts in the ways that toddlers learn because you knew that, you know, I was studying all of that, the ways that toddlers learn the mind, their development. Right. You were watching. You know, what was happening with them, both neurologically and behaviorally. And so we set our minds to expanding the offerings of Moms on Call all the way up to toddlerhood. And we had a lot of families, too, who we helped them with their babies, but their toddler wasn't sleeping through the night. So then what do we do with that when you're in a household and nobody's sleeping or you got your baby sleeping, but your toddler's still coming, kicking you in the riblets <laughs> in your bed every night? You know, you have a king size bed, but you get to sleep on like three inches of it because they're just spread out and you just don't want to wake anybody up. You're exhausted. How do we get everybody back in the places that serve the household in a way where everybody can get sleep and have some predictability? And so... I just remember that moment because you kind of called that out from inside of me and we worked on it together to create the toddler resources, which were so, so well received. Yeah, you know, we had the zero to six month. That was that folder. And then we self-published. Mm -hmm. And so we did have a paperback of it with a DVD in the back. And then the six to 15 month information, no, it wasn't even a PDF file because I don't think PDF was around <laughs> back then. It was just a file. We don't know what it was called back then. It was a file. It was something that we, <laughs> we would send typed to people. it up on our computer. Yes. And then the toddler was the same way there for a few years until we started self-publishing all three of those books. But what I noticed, Jennifer, was... As you were writing those things and we were talking, you know, many times you and I would talk at 12, one o'clock at night, once the, our house settled and we got everybody to bed was when you and I would hop on the call and go back and forth. And as we were talking through that, we were watching our own kids and what we were doing with our own kids. And I didn't have any family in the area. It was Jim and I and all these kids and I can remember very, very specifically you talking about how important that time was before bedtime. And, and Jim had always read to our kids before bedtime. But I can remember as we were navigating this, 
really changing my perspective on the importance of that time between awake and asleep. And I can remember the first time you used that term and between awake and asleep, what's that's really cool. That's really cool. And you were like, no, 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 it's from that movie, Peter Pan. And it's where Julia Roberts is telling Peter that she'll be waiting for him between awake and asleep. And I was like, that was such a light bulb moment, Jennifer, in my household, where you really changed how I looked at that nighttime. And when I tell you that I instantly changed because it became not just story time and not just prayer time, which those things are great, right? Those two things are awesome. But I became very intentional in speaking over my kids, truth into my kids, and in our house, who my kids belong to, right? I mean, I wanted them to know the love that God had for them. And that was some of the first places that I could start to speak that truth in them and over them. And and it looked different. You know, sometimes my as my kids got older, everybody was kind of going in 10 different directions. But that time still stayed very, very precious to us as a family. And I always use the term, I'm going to be intentional and we're going to set this time apart. That's what we're going to do as a family. My kids are grown, but I will tell you, there are many nights when they're at home that they'll get their shower and we have that intentional time even now. So we talk about, yes, going back and and I don't remember a whole lot, but I do remember the impact you had when you told me that and I was able to change the intentional piece of that. Well, and you were able to share the things that were inside of your heart, communicate it with your kids in a way that they understood and in a time where it just had the greatest impact. And I think that's what it was. Like you and I were with these families. We were with the most incredible people, well-intentioned, who wanted to love their kids, who wanted to give their kids identity and be able to promote the best behavior and just pull it out of these kids. And they knew it was in there. So creating the structure for that, that made it more inspirational and easy to just weave into the regular day-to-day when things are so crazy and there's a hundred things going on and you're distracted in a hundred ways and you can't remember, you know, what you did 20 years ago, much less two hours ago. You know, that is when so much of that was born. You changed it into a term I think you called tender time, (laughs) um, which I always love in that tender time. And we have been able to see So many families who have embraced it, one of my favorites is when we got a picture from one of our clients and she had had it put in gorgeous black script on a plank piece of art, you know, the white planks, the script, and it was their nighttime rules. Obey daddy and mommy, do not hurt yourself and do not hurt others because we are Morrises and Morrises are a good people. And they put that in their dining room. I mean, it's (laughs) just just, crazy. Yes, the foundation. So we're all on the same page. So we all understand what our goal is as a family and we're doing it together. And, you know, we're being able to promote that in the moments when it counts. And that it just really is such a beautiful thing to see 
how you can give structure to the hearts of parents, to what pre-exists in the heart of a parent and get those kind of results, like what you and I are talking about, even as they grow older. And that's kind of that foundation because you know what? Toddlers, man, it's hard. Toddlers are hard. (laughs) I love them so much. I know you do, but you know, they don't have necessarily self-control and they're, you know, all over the place. And I, I can remember getting an email from somebody who was not happy. Okay. She wasn't a mom, so I'm called mom. She was a nanny and she had read our book because the mom wanted her to read the book. And this is the truth. The truth is this nanny was not happy that we talk about our kids are capable of having self-control and doing what we asked. And she was like, that's ridiculous. Toddlers are are not able to do those things. They have no way of self-control as a toddler. And I was like, it has to start somewhere, right? No, they don't. They, Yes, the truth of the matter is they do when we believe in them and we begin to set that foundation. It's not going to just miraculously happen. And I promise the first time that you tell your toddler or the 150th time you tell your toddler something They may or may not have that self-control to do it. It may take 150, but they need somebody to believe in them. And I think that kind of takes us to that next step is being the biggest cheerleader for our toddlers because we are the first people that believe in them. So as we navigate those 15 to 18 month mark, Jennifer, where you talk about where you start to notice that side eye when they're fixing to touch grandma's lamp. And we begin to show them what that self-control is and what that looks like. Can you talk a little bit more about those specifics? Because that's the real stuff, right? That is the stuff like, okay, we know that people listening to this today are sitting in their floor, overwhelmed and exhausted because their toddler for the hundredth time is just berserko. So, (laughs) you know... Luckily, in the cutest of ways on occasion. Oh, they are so, so, so cute. So I have a friend who just today is like, I need some advice on my kid's behavior. He is exhausting me. So this is my sweet, sweet, sweet dear friend. And it's the third boy. And he's about two years old. And she is like, at 8.45 this morning, I just need to talk to somebody because I am exhausted. You know, we have all been there. I've been there. You know, you've been there. And people all around us have been there. So how can we even make it through some of the days and where does some of that even start? So yeah, we got the the tender time and starting to speak those truths, but now we got to live it out during the daytime. (laughs) Right. Well, we talk about the three-point teaching technique and the times when their heart is open for instruction. And the times when it's not, we're not doing instructional time 24 hours a day. They are able to, you know, have meals. They're having the structure of the day set up. So the things that we talk about first, like you said, we're setting the foundations. So that one understanding appears, it appears into a foundation that has already been established. We have the words, we have the process that we go through and we begin to teach them what that looks like in our house. And we have so much more power in being able to set that than we think we do because we're so exhausted. We are reactive and we are desperate. 
And so one of the things that we do, can I speak to it? Yeah. In the toddler online course and the toddler classes that we would teach, we go through a very simple but structured and easy to understand and implement way to set the foundations of being able to have some expectations of what they are capable of and the explanations of what they're doing and why they're doing it. That's why I love the Toddler by Design app because we kind of go back. Sometimes if we just understand what they're looking for, it's so much less frustrating. A, that they're not all the same, that they're not, we're not homogenizing every toddler into this, you know, rule following robot. No, they're so varied and different and amazing. And when a human being, raising a human being, who's learning what disappointment and frustration and these normal human emotions feel like and responding to them in the moment very intuitively. And we're just coaching them through some of that. And I think a lot of times we feel like we need to remove it, like Mm. that crying and that stuff that's happening. I need to quote unquote fix that as opposed to being their biggest support and being able to support them. So one of the things we talk about is it's not me against their behavior. It's me helping to support them through that behavior. And the couple of elements that really help so much is to A, have a structure in in order to be able to communicate that clearly, repetitively, (laughs) and positively. And the other thing is understanding what they're looking for. Why are they doing it? And the Toddler by Design app, one of my favorite little subsections is don't get your feelings hurt if. (laughs) (laughs) So give us some examples. Like, what does that mean? Give us some examples. I know that I got my feelings hurt. Oh, we take it all so personally. Yes. (laughs) Well, I can remember Allison. I think it was right around when Nemo had come out. And there's a part in that movie where Nemo says, I hate you to his dad. And... I can remember Allison just trying to assert her little vocabulary. And she turned to me and she said, I hate you. And when she said that, I had to pick my jaw up off the floor, you know. But I can remember actually being hurt by something my, you know, I think she was probably five maybe at that age, you know. But I can remember my heart just breaking. And I'm like, what? You know, I had to kind of regroup. Yeah. Well, and one of the greatest phrases that gave me so much freedom with that, yes, because I remember when one of my twins said something very similar, like, do you like Bryce more than me? And when they're twins, like, this is your biggest fear as a parent. Oh, like, yes. Oh! And the answer is always, oh, nice try. And then you reset the truth. You knew in that moment that she didn't really hate you. Right. She may have hated the situation. She may have wanted to see how you responded to that because you made her feel safe. And she's just trying out all these phrases on the one person that she trusts more than anyone in the world. So it doesn't feel like a compliment. But when those things happen, actually, they're trying this thing out on the person that helps them know, the one that's bigger and smarter than them and helps sort out the world for them. And so you're not going to handle that wrong no matter how you handled it, no matter how it felt when that impact hit your heart in the tender place, having some words at the ready. Nice try. What I said to my kids is, I love you all the same. 
And that's always how it's worked in this house. And knowing you've got that time between awake and asleep to connect with them, again, that is so helpful. Like I don't have to totally sort out this whole perspective in this moment. And having permission, yes, do those things hit you in the tender place and hurt? They do. But we always encourage parents to parent according to the truth and not out of fear. And so recognizing the truth in that moment, that isn't really what they mean. They are trying these things out and saying, oh, nice try. And then setting the truth in place. That probably helps so much more than anything else was really recognizing that things are going to happen. My kids are going to throw a fit. They're going to throw a tantrum. I'm going to be embarrassed. (laughs) You know, there are going to be times that I'm going to be embarrassed. But again, stepping back and knowing that that this is not me against them. I think that's just so huge. And then always parenting out of the truth. The truth is Allison loves me. And admires you and wants to be you. <laughs> really. Yes. And in 10 minutes, you know, she was probably just fine. And we were laughing and looking for caterpillars or something. Oh, I love that. Yes, they can turn it on and off. Yes. Yes. It's not a forever thing. And so tantrums, how in the world, when these toddlers, when you're trying to speak to them and you're just trying to be all nice and you're just trying, and they don't want any part of it. And they're throwing these huge tantrums and screaming and yelling, you know, because maybe you told them they couldn't do something, or maybe you told them they had to do something The tantrums, I think a lot of times can be so exhausting because like you said before, we want to fix them, right? We want them to stop and we want them to understand and we want them to listen to us right then in the moment. And that just didn't work. Well, and social kids often will. I think they're the the hardest ones in the smart paradigm because they just want you to engage them. And so, you know, if you sit down and want to have a long discussion about why they can't have an ice cream sundae for breakfast, So I think a couple of things. One of the things that you said is you're trying to be all nice, nice. I love how high the voice gets when we're like, oh, as if we're just parenting in this fairy realm of, you know, whispers and loveliness. No, one of the things that we help to teach parents to do, which is so practical, is to be firm and confident and what that looks like and what that sounds like. And some of us do have to practice it. So part of it is teaching you the delivery. And the other part is recognizing that tantrums are them responding to frustration. They'll respond to frustration the same way they respond to elation. So, you know, if you do have that social kid, they most definitely will want to try and engage you. They'll be very dramatic. Oh, the drama. You just want to be like, and the Oscar goes to just recognizing that what is happening, how loud it sounds is not indicative of the intensity that they feel in their heart. Those things don't match up yet. And they're just figuring out how to do frustration, disappointment, what that feels like. And they need time and opportunity and permission to do that. But One of the things that we say, and I'm going to leave this episode with this, is that it's okay to be frustrated. It's not okay to emotionally hijack the whole household because you're frustrated. So we can give them opportunities to work that out and believe in their ability to do it. 
and we cover all of those things in, in the resources, but I hope it's been encouraging to somebody today that we can populate some of the words, responses, and explanations of what these incredible and unique toddlers are thinking and learning in this season. We keep hearing how this past year has been unprecedented because, let's be honest, it was. And for parents of little ones born during these strange times, you especially know how challenging it can be to share a sleep space with a little one or try to work from home during their nap time. So many of you have found the perfect solution for making sleep time less stressful and more restful with SlumberPod. Invented by mother-daughter duo Lou and Katie, the SlumberPod was featured on Shark Tank. This blackout privacy pod slips over a play yard, travel crib, or cot and has become a must-have for home and travel. After a sleepless night sharing a room with baby on an overnight family visit, Katie and Lou put their heads together and came up with the perfect solution. SlumberPod has created some well-earned buzz as a great travel companion. But now, for those who needed creative blackout solutions while working at home. No more sheets hung or taped on windows or trying to work from home in a closet. If you use coupon code MOCPODCAST at checkout at their site, you'll get $30 off your purchase. Check them out at slumberpod.com or retailers nationwide. As a part of the Moms on Call online classes, we put a little extra something in there for you, which are moments episodes where we get to talk to some of the people that are creating and doing things that serve and are of interest to parents of babies and toddlers. We got to talk to a really fascinating pediatric ENT Dr. Stephen Gowdy, and he introduced us to something that we love called the NoseBot. It is a portable, rechargeable electric nasal aspirator with hospital-grade suction, and it's got this really unique nose piece design, and it's recommended by pediatricians, pediatric ENTs, and we have used it, and some of the Moms on Call team has used it. And we really, really are proud to recommend it. So you can go to www.drknowsbest.com and use offer code MOMSONCALL for $25 off the NoseBot nasal aspirator. That's www.drnozebest.com with offer code MOMSONCALL. Now you should always consult your healthcare provider concerning when and how often to use this nasal aspiration and pop on over to your mom's on call online class. And you can also watch the moments episode where we interview the creator of the NoseBot. There is a lot of mom's on call information in the world. We have books, we have apps, we have online courses, we have our website. Now we have this podcast. But sometimes you have a question that you just can't find the answer to, something that's unique to your situation. We are happy to help you. Leave us a message at 888-234-7979. 
and we will try to answer as many questions as we can here on the Moms on Call podcast. Hi there. My name is Lauren. I'm in Kyle, Texas, just south of Austin, and my little one is one year old. Well, he's 13 months old. Anywho, he is in daycare, and daycare means that he gets viruses here and there. And uh, currently, you know, we're dealing with one of those feverish viruses. But my question is regarding sleep. So our son is successfully sleep trained, thanks to you all, um, in about the first two months. He was sleeping through the night uh, at five months old. And so we know that if he's waking up that night, you know, something is probably wrong. Of course, we know we don't sleep train when he's sick, but my question is more about daytime sleep. Um, if he is taking a nap, is there a point where I should cap it when he is sick? Right now, I've been kind of doing that long three-hour nap because he is at daycare, so they only do one nap a day. So we've been following the one nap a day schedule. So he's been taking a nap from like noon to 3 p.m. But sometimes I feel like he could probably keep sleeping, especially when he's sick. Of course, I don't want him to sleep too much during the day. So just let me know what y'all would all advise on that. Should I wake him up gently? Um, Should I just let him sleep? Thanks. Lauren, this is an awesome question. And this is something that is happening in households everywhere. So the answer is yes, their bodies do require a little extra rest when they're healing. So we want to just put some parameters on that. So, you know, an extra half hour, nothing that really goes past 4 p.m., those would be the things. So yes, let him get a little extra sleep. Yes, wake him up gently. And anything that gets off on the schedule while you're tending to them while they're sick, we can get back on once they're feeling better. So we just kind of start again once they're feeling better, getting right back on the wagon, so to speak. But right now, yeah, your instincts are correct. Let's just, we're going to be kind of tender with them and let them get a little extra rest. Hey, my name is Rachel Newell. I am from Mobile, Alabama. I am a recent, within the past year, sudden widow to a four-year-old little girl, my daughter, Amelia. We lost uh, my husband last year. Suddenly, my underlying condition we had no idea about in his sleep, and our whole life was basically taken. Uh, he was taken, our home, everything, our routines. This it happened a few days before school started, and I was uh, listening to your Back to School podcast, and gosh, my uh, questions are probably more than just how to get back on a routine with my four-year-old. I've been wanting to reach out to you guys because I literally was like the spokesperson in my town for the Moms on Call baby zero to six months and then six to 18 month book, sleep routine, feeding routine, happy, perfect little child. And <laughs> I thank y'all very much for that. And uh, all my friends do too. However, after this whole past year, currently we are living with my mother in an apartment and just the whole dynamic of having someone else trying to, I guess, not raise your daughter, but you know, our routines are completely messed up and it's a power struggle between my mother and I. And um, I try to keep routines down. They're not working. Sleep's not good. She has to be laid down with every night for any uh, insight into any, I guess, knowledge y'all might have on transitioning, you know, your family, your children after loss of a parent and, you know, just 
moving into a new home and just everything's different. I would love to hear from y'all. Thank you. Well, Rachel, there is no perfect way, no right way to necessarily navigate what you have been through. You just get through that every single day and you make the best decisions you can with, you know, what you're given in that day and let Laura and I both express to you how much it means to us that we gave something positive to you <laughs> in that rest and that routine. And also the fact that you're listening to us and there's anything that we can do to make that transition easier. That means the world to us. We are going to be getting in touch with you. And um, Laura and I have had several consults with families who have lost a parent, a mom or a dad. And so that's really, it's really close to our heart. So yeah, there's a way that we want to connect and support you on a whole different level. You know, it's harder with a grandparent <laughs> to, when you're living in the same home, to get some of those routines, you know, a little bit um, more established. So what we do sometimes is kind of a give and take. We're going to do the best we can with what we have. And so in order to do that in a situation like this, and the best way to proceed is to have great support that is supporting you, that recognizes the challenges that you face, and that can honor the situation that you're in and honor the things that you've had to navigate. So we want to support you and your heart in this journey and get the best results that we can. And in order to do that, we are going to contact you and we'll support you in the day-to-day -to, -day to get that done. One of the things, Rachel, that we're going to try to do is make sure that, that you have access to the toddler online course. So we'll make sure you have that. And what would be great is maybe you and grandma can watch that together so that you have some common places that you can meet. When everybody seems to see the bigger picture a little bit, you guys can get on the same page, at least in a few areas. We often say those grandmas have relationships with their grandbabies that are just so important and they're priceless. But there is some, some common ground that we can find so that everybody in the household can make it through just one more day and we will do it one day at a time. If you're on Instagram, we have an account there. It is at Moms on Call. We share a lot of parenting information, a lot of tips, a lot of videos, and we also check the messages in there to find questions to include on this podcast. If you're on Instagram and you have a parenting question, send us a message. Before we record every episode of this podcast, we have a look at our messages, and some of those questions make it onto this show. All right, Jennifer. Yes. So we do this toddler by design. We have the app. And we've done it on ourselves. We've done it on our own kids. <laughs> Strangers. In yeah, the all the time. <laughs> oh, my daughter uses it with her kids. She teaches swimming. So one of the things one of the parents have asked is, if my child scored high in social, are they always going to stay that way? Oh, that's such a great question. Typically when they are high, so we've been able to analyze a lot of the information. And what we find is yes. After following these kids for a while, if they score really high, they do tend to stay that way. Now, when we have scores that are a little closer, like it's a movement and an engineer, but, you know, it's kind of, they're really, you know, 42% a piece or what have you. 
that's when we really see one will kind of dominate in certain seasons and another, you know, at another season, they'll sometimes be more movement oriented. So these things can fluctuate. And Laura, I love what you recommended, you know, like in different seasons, you can take the test again and you'll see that things sometimes will, you know, adjust, but usually not by a whole lot. So if we get one of those kids that just scores super high in one category, that's usually a pretty good indicator that that is a strong primary motivator. If you have a specific question that you would like to ask us, you can leave us a voicemail at 888-234-7979. You might hear your answer on an upcoming episode of the Moms on Call podcast. The good stuff is how we end every single episode of our show. We want to leave you something that makes you feel good in your heart and soul and puts a smile on your face. So we look for stories that are going to do just that. We call it the good stuff. So Jennifer, there is the cutest little guy called Rowan Montgomery. He's seven years old from Rhode Island. And when you see his picture, everybody's just going to have to go and look this kid up because his smile... And his eyes are just the sweetest thing in the whole wide world. And he has this goal of just spreading messages of hope and just positivity. That's his whole goal at seven years old. So it's just the sweetest thing ever. So he does all these videos and he came up with the idea. I guess he was being a little bit bullied at school. And so he was like, no, I am going to let kids know that they're not alone and I'm going to give them a different perspective. And I'm sure that, you know, he has no idea what perspective is at that age, but he knew that he didn't want other kids to feel like he felt. And so his mom, Michelle, and him were like, okay, well, what can we do to try and help? And Rowan said, he said, with bullies, it doesn't matter what they think about you, right? He says, it matters what you think about yourself. And I'm going to let people know who they are. And so he makes these videos that just make people happy. So we want everybody to kind of go and look up Rowan Montgomery. Some of the things that he picks up is he talks about how life is just, it's just hard. And he talks about, and again, this is Rowan where he's talking this. He says, but sometimes you just need to take a step back and breathe into the air and be focused on just what you're doing. So his mom's taking these videos and they are just the sweetest thing ever. And his mom says, I'm so glad my little dude makes you all so happy and inspired. And I'm proud of him and the person he is. Mark my words, he will do wonderful things for this world. And and I thought, Michelle, that's awesome. Let's support our kids. Let's speak those truths into who our kids are. Because you never know when you're rowing, we'll be speaking those truths into other kids. It makes me think of that scripture that says, do not let people look down on you because you are young. And yeah, he's already doing something powerful in this world and putting something incredibly powerful out, which is a connectedness for those who have these feelings. And I love that about this generation that's growing up is that they're really able to identify 
how they feel, and then to want to connect and communicate about those things. So Rowan, thank you. Thank you for just being an absolute beacon to an entire generation about the things that we're capable of when we are set, when we set our hearts to love others at any age, this can be done. And Michelle, we know how that feels <laughs> to get to watch such a beautiful thing sprout out from your child at all different ages. And so we just like to say, like, we're celebrating with you for all these wonderful things at any age, the things that we can do to connect, love each other, and identify these feelings that we have. It's really, really incredible. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. Please visit MomsOnCall.com for more resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive this amazing parenting journey. The number one way that people find out about new podcasts is word of mouth, just like Moms on Call. And your endorsement of this show is so important. Please tell all of your friends about this show if you think something in here would be helpful or bring a smile to their face. Also, please leave us a five-star review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. And if you're so inclined, write a short paragraph about what you like about us. Thanks in advance, and we appreciate you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast.